Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. And uh, we're continuing to worship our Lord as we've done through music, through fellowship, through prayer and confession. Uh, we'll continue now through the reading of God's scriptures and the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, as you f- turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, where we are today, uh, we've been studying our new identity in Christ. Uh, because of the personal work of Jesus, we have a new identity personally. We have a new identity in our relationships. We have a new identity together as God's people uh, gathered as a church. Uh, and today, um, the Apostle Paul has written in Ephesians 5 for us the, uh, how this shapes our lives and, and marriage and family uh, and work. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll see uh, some more specifics. Today, we're talking about Everybody okay? Um, Cool. (laughs) Uh, Today, uh, we are talking about uh, marriage and the gospel. And uh, as we look at the scriptures today, I just want to kind of throw this out there, is that uh, this is God's word. Uh, This is the scriptures given from God to God's people. And it applies to every single one of us. Uh, So I want to encourage you, uh, regardless of your marital status or marital experience, uh, if you are married or single, if you are divorced or hoping to be married one day, uh, the scripture is for all of us, for our benefit today. And so um, as we talk about marriage, I don't want you, uh, if you are not married, to, to tune out and to back off. I want you to be engaged because in the end, marriage is about Jesus, right? Uh, marriage, in essence, is all about Christ and who he is and what he's doing in our midst. And as we'll see in the coming minutes, uh, the Apostle Paul writes that marriage is uh, not something only for individuals or for a couple to experience. It's something that, that displays the gospel to everybody. And so uh, I just want to encourage us all to tune in uh, sharply today because just, just like it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a church to raise a Christian. And so uh, no matter your marital status, together as we study God's word uh, about specifically marriage and the gospel today, it should benefit us all. Okay, so let me pray uh, and we'll dive in. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning, the time uh, to gather together with your people, as your people, uh, around the proclamation of the good news of Jesus uh, through worship, through praise, through prayer, through fellowship together, uh, through the reading of your scriptures, the proclamation of the good news. God, I, I beg you, Uh, that this morning your Holy Spirit would dwell here with us. Uh, God, I beg you that uh, your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand the gospel. You would open our hearts to receive this good news. God, that by your Spirit, through your word, you would transform us individually, as couples, as families, as friends, as as a community of believers together. God, as a a gathering of people seeking uh, to hear a word from you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, that we would walk away having been changed, encountering you, and and that we would rejoice in the good news of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is God's word. British author G.K. Chesterton said, The most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. Marriage and family, in essence, reflect God and point us to Jesus. And sometimes we forget that marriage at its core is about Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes here to remind us that, that marriage and family is structured in such a way to reflect God and to model the personal work of Jesus, to display that to each other and to the world. The most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. The gospel changes everything. Every area of the life of our lives are affected by the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Over the past several months, we've been hammering this theme away that in Christ we have a new identity. That the gospel is good news of freedom and forgiveness, transformation. Together we experience this through relationships. This changes how we do marriage and family. This changes how we do work, how we operate as students, how we live in the neighborhoods in which we live. And so today we're looking at marriage, and next week we'll look at children and family. We'll look at work in the coming weeks as well, and how the gospel shapes us very practically. Because, friends, God has placed you where you are. The life that you were living is a gift from God. God has placed you in the relationships that you find yourself, in the work you find yourself doing, in the school you find yourself studying, in the neighborhood in which you live. God has given you these relationships to steward. Marriage, like all of life, is prompted by the good news of Jesus and reflects our new identity. The beginning of Ephesians 5 starts this way. Verse 1 and 2 say, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right at the beginning of Ephesians 5, we are reminded that our identity is that of beloved children. In Christ, you are loved by God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. With this new identity as beloved children, we imitate God. Scripture tells us that as beloved children, we imitate God because we are walking in love because Christ loved us first. He gave himself for us. So God the Father adopts us as children Because Jesus Christ, the Son, gave himself up for us. Scripture then tells us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This patterns how we do all of life. Verse 16 in chapter 5 says, Making the best use of our time. 
And then verse 21, we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what I want us to see is that all of chapter 5 is funneling in the work of God the Father, adopting us as children because of Jesus the Son who gave himself up for us, who sends the Holy Spirit to empower us, to fill us, to live lives, making the best use of time, pointing to Jesus by submitting to one another, relationally living out the lives he's called us to live. You tracking with me? So this comes together today in marriage. Marriage relationship is something we find our lives patterned in. We have roles as husbands and wives. Again, if you are not married, I want you to stay tracking with us because marriage is about Jesus. And there's something here for all of us, all men, all women, could learn from this today. We see that marriage is a role we find ourselves in as beloved children, a way that we can find ourselves imitating God, a way that being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can submit to one another, making the best use of time in the context of marriage. You see, marriage is not an identity. It's a role. Right? My identity is not first and foremost a husband. My identity is first and foremost a beloved child of God who imitates God because Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, I make the best use of time walking in love, submitting to Christ as a husband. Right? My, my role is, is a husband is a role, not an identity. See, my identity is not, not a father, even though my role in life is to be the father of four beautiful, amazing children. But my identity is a beloved child of God, rescued by Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, to, out of reverence to Christ, make the best use of my days as a father in that role. So, Scripture tells us here, specifically where we're at today in marriage, is that we have roles as men and women, as husbands and wives, in the context of marriage in which we reflect Christ, in which we imitate God as we walk in love out of reverence for Christ. So, what I want us to see here in these verses is this. Scripture tells us, first what we were created to do and be. And then it shows us here how we're broken and we can't do it. Thirdly, Scripture shows us how Jesus has redeemed us and rescued us so that, fourthly, we have a new way of living, right? So, so Scripture cre- commands us to do something because we were created to do it, right? But we can't do it because we're broken, fallen, messed up people. But, but Jesus rescues us and redeems us and gives us a new way of living. Okay, Specifically in marriage, we're going to look at it today this way. First and foremost, Scripture tells lots of commands here. It says that wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. They should respect their husbands. Husbands should love their wives, giving themselves up for their wives so that she may be holy nourishing her, cherishing her. Scripture says that we were created to model God in this way. And the Apostle Paul brings it old school back to the book of Genesis, right? If you look in Ephesians 5.31, verse 31, he quotes the book of Genesis. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Right, so Paul is teaching this young church how to live out their lives, their identity as beloved children, as, as Christians, in the roles of marriage and family. And he brings it back to Genesis. 
Now, you and I can look at that and say, great, he quotes one line from Genesis. But for a first century religious person that knows scripture, you know that anytime you quote like one line, it's, it's going to bring back this whole ocean of the scriptures, right? Like if I say, row, row, row your boat, you don't just think, row, row, row your boat, you think, Gently down the stream, merely, 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 right? So there's this whole like sea of information that comes when I quote one line. In the same way, when the Apostle Paul is instructing husbands on how to be husbands and wives on how to be wives and how this reflects Christ in the church, he drops this one line in there. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And that should bring a whole ocean of information with it. Right, it should bring us back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2, when God creates everything out of nothing for his good pleasure, for his glory. He creates the first man and the first woman as image bearers to reflect God, to show the goodness of God. And in relationship together, they have different roles, but in those roles, they find joy together, walking with the Lord. Right? So Paul quotes Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to remind us that marriage is God's idea. That marriage is part of God's created order. It's not something we think up because we're bored. It's something that God mandates in his creation. In fact, if you look at Genesis 2.18, just a couple verses prior, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So after God creates everything out of nothing, he creates the first man and looks at this man and says, this man is going to be an image bearer of me, but it's not good for that man to be by himself. I'm going to create a woman, a helper, suitable for him. Now, God creates man and woman to be in relationship together, in relationship with him. They have different roles. Even in Genesis, the woman is described as being a helper The word helper that's used there is the same word to describe the Holy Spirit in Scripture as being a helper, a comforter, a counselor. So women, the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit of God is used to describe you. Right? God creates man and woman for relationship together to model who God is and what he's about. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we see this beautiful picture of created marriage, like man and woman together. If you read Genesis 2, you see that, that not only does God create this man and he creates this woman, but the guy gets so excited he sings a love song to his bride, and they're together. But you see what happens in chapter 3 is that sin and rebellion, what we know as the fall, enters the world. And this is the effect we experience today in man and woman relationships. Right, I mean, God creates everything to be a certain way, but in Genesis 3 we see that deception is, is there. The man and woman are deceived by Satan. They rebel against God. They forget their identity as being created to model who God is. They forget their identity of being children of God to live in these certain roles to reflect who God is. Today we see it played out in various ways. We see... Um, Divorce rates are high. Chauvinism, male chauvinism is an issue. Feminism is a reaction to that. We see men and women being isolated, confused. We see passivity in relationships, people living foolish, unwise lives, selfishness, abuse, 
All of this is because of the fall. All of this is because sin and rebellion. All of this is because, as men and women, we forget that our identity as beloved children is to imitate God, to walk in love as Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that one way we do that is in our marriage. Jesus himself addressed this in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. I mean, the first century uh, experienced brokenness in relationships as well. This is not something new for us today. We see in Mark chapter 10, uh, a group of religious leaders who know the scriptures come up to Jesus. It says the Pharisees came up in order to test him, that's Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and sent her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You see what happens here? Maybe, like you, these religious guys were wanting to, to follow the Lord. They were wanting to live good, wholesome lives. They were having relational tension and trying to figure out when is it okay to say, look, we've got to go our own way, right? We, we, it's better for us to not be married. And maybe you are in this room today thinking, you know, I don't even want to be married. I mean, maybe you're single saying it's better for me just to be single because I don't want to have to deal with those issues with some girl. Or maybe you're a young lady that's like, man, every guy I meet is just a chauvinist or abusive or just a fool, like just not a good leader and just uses me. All right, maybe you're in a marriage and you've been married just a short while and you're like, man, this is harder than I thought. I wonder if there's a quick out. Or maybe you've been married for a long time and through different seasons, you just you find yourself kind of stalemated in your marriage thinking, you know, I thought it was going to be this way, but man, here we are years later and it just looks different. And so maybe you're like the Pharisees that are saying, look, we want to follow God. We want to do what Scripture says. We want to, we want to submit to the Lord. And is it okay for us to be isolated rather than together? And how does Jesus answer? Jesus says... It's an issue of a hardness of heart. You know, Jesus says, look, he acknowledges the brokenness in marriage and says, look, there's a hardness of heart issue in men. There's a hardness of heart issue in women. But then Jesus points us back to the created order that God made male and female. Men, God made you to be men. Not some androgynous passive being. You don't have a feminine side. You're a guy. Women, God made you to be women. Don't try to be a man, you're a woman. God made them male and female. They're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So friends, as we look at Scripture today and we say, all right, Jeremy, I'm tracking with you. God made everything out of nothing. He made the first man, first woman. He created marriage so that two would become one flesh. It's like two hands on a bat. You don't don't chop an axe this way with one hand or swing a bat with one hand. You have more power when you have two hands on the bat. You have one hand here, one hand here. 
They both can't occupy the same space in the same way. They each have a different position, a different role on the bat. And if you, if you have your hands correctly positioned on the bat, you have more power, more accuracy with the swing, right? If you're swinging a bat, you can hit the ball further and in a better direction. If you're swinging an axe, you can not chop your foot off, right? You can chop the tree. That's how God made it. But due to our brokenness, our hardness of heart, we find ourselves hurting and confused. Jesus points us there in Mark. The Apostle Paul points us there in Ephesians as he bridges the gap here, sewing it all together, being beloved children as men, being beloved sons as women, being beloved daughters, that we have been rescued by Christ to walk in love, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living in such a way that we are figuring out what the will of the Lord is and how our lives together reflect the goodness of Christ. And we can't fix ourselves. And maybe you're in here saying, well, man, I just, I'm trying to find a, a quick fix, a way to, to get my marriage back on track. Well, if you do it on your own strength, men, you will continually fail. If you do it on your own strength, women, you will continually fail. But here's the good news. Christ redeems marriage. Right? Marriage is broken to where some of you don't want to get married. Some of you want to get out of your marriage. Christ redeems marriage. That's why half of a chapter of Ephesians right here is dedicated specifically to marriage. Ephesians 5 shows us that God adopts us as children so that we can imitate him. And throughout Scripture, we see that marriage is this portrait of the rescue of God and his people. I mean, right, you see, the book of Genesis opens with marriage. God creates man and woman to be together in relationship. It's the first marriage. And you look at the very end of Scripture, at the end of Revelation, you see this marriage supper, where, where this is portrait of God's people at a banquet table with the Lord, like this huge wedding feast. And everywhere in between, you see the theme of God being a groom, rescuing his wayward bride throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, which is why marriage is so important. For example, Ezekiel chapter 16. God's people experience multiple seasons of oppression and exile and slavery and hardship. And God would send prophets to proclaim the good news of God's rescue plan. And a couple hundred years before the time of Jesus, God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and he says this. God speaking to his people, When I passed by you again and I saw you, Behold, you are at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God. And you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. Do you see what the Lord is saying to his people? his broken people that struggle with sin and rebellion, his broken people who have hardness of heart issues that play out in every area of life, including relationships and marriage. God says, God takes the initiative and says, you're mine. I am taking you to be my bride. I'm making a covenant with you. You will have an everlasting promise for me that I will always make good on. 
He says, you became mine, then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood and anointed you with oil. So this is a beautiful picture we see here. Marriage created to reflect God. Brokenness coming in, making it hard for us to be together. Jesus coming to redeem us with a new identity as beloved children because he rescues us. So how does this apply to Ephesians 5 today? If we've been redeemed by Christ, if we've been rescued by God himself, if we've been identified to be in a covenant relationship with God and with each other, if we belong to him and he's making us clean and rescuing us, we have a new way to live. As Christian men, we have a new way to do marriage as husbands. As Christian women, you have a new way to do marriage as wives. It's patterned by the rescue plan that you've experienced in grace from God himself. You, as a child, loved and accepted by God, you imitate him. As Christ walks in love and gave himself up for us, we too give ourselves up for our spouse. So let's look what scripture says here, right? Let's look what scripture says. Wives, verse 22, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submission is not forced subjugation. It is a voluntary relational cooperation as one hand on the bat that goes next to the other hand. You see, God has said, men, be this hand on the bat. And the women say, as a wife, I'm going to be a hand right here with you. And together we can swing harder and with more accuracy than you can alone. Scripture says, wives, submit to your own husband. I I love what it says there. It's like, hey, be in submission, relational cooperation with your own husband. Not some other husband. Right? Submit to your own husband. For the husband is the head of the wife, as even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Scripture says in verse 33 that wives should respect her husband. Again, let me remind you that as, as a wife coming alongside your husband, as you submit in relational cooperation with your husband, as you respect him, you are coming alongside of him, like Scripture says, as a helper. Right? Like the Holy Spirit, a counselor, a comforter, a partner. And wives, I encourage you that your life will greatly influence others as you Strive to be like this. Now, if you are married, this instruction is specifically for you to strive for in relationship with your husband now. If you're not yet married, wives, there's something here for you as well. These are character traits that the Lord can develop in you here and now. Because marriage, let me remind you, is a relational role, not an identity. My primary identity is a child of God. And my role is later as a husband and a father and a pastor. Those are roles, not identities. So wives, you too, find your identity in Christ and embrace your role as a wife. Single women, embrace your identity as a beloved child of God. And if he gives you the opportunity to have the role as a wife, praise the Lord. If that's coming soon for you, that's exciting. If you're not there yet, that's okay. What I don't want us to do is confuse identities and roles. I don't want you women to to be discouraged because you think, I want to be a beloved child of God, but I'm single. Guess what? You are a beloved child of God in Christ. And if you're single, God has you in a different role now than he may in a few years. 
So hang in there. And embrace the identity as a beloved child of God. Husbands, Scripture says this, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So husbands, embrace your identity as a beloved child who imitates God as Christ gave himself up for us. That you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to redeem the time here and now in relational cooperation with your wife. Husbands, love your wives. I mean, this is huge. We could camp out on this for days. But verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you look at the beginning of chapter 5, we, we just read, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Same language in verse 2 and in verse 25. So husbands, we have this great opportunity in our role as a husband to come alongside our wives and to show loving, sacrificial care, to put aside selfish ambition and say, How can I serve my bride to the glory of God? How can I encourage my wife in such a way that I reflect Jesus to her and to everyone else? Scripture says that you're to sanctify her. That, that means to make holy for holy purposes. And there's this great statement here that I love. It says that she, uh, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So you see, you see what's happening here is that husbands, as, as men, as husbands, we come alongside our wives and we, our primary role is to bring holiness to our wives together. The word sanctified means to be made holy for holy purposes, to be set apart for holy use. And so men, we have this great opportunity like a, like a gardener tilling soil to really just nourish and cultivate this beautiful garden called your wife. Right? That she would become more like Jesus because you're loving her so well. That you're caring for her so well that, that she's looking to Jesus and becoming more like Jesus. Scripture says, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And this is a beautiful picture of I want you to see what's happening here. The word for cleanse is not like spot clean, like, hey, you got some cream cheese on your cheek. There you go. You know, lick your thumb and wipe your cheek. That's, that's not being cleansed. That's like a spot clean or whatever. The word for cleanse here means like a full like submersion. It's like if your wife has cream cheese on her face, don't lick your thumb and wipe her cheek, but go make a hot bubble bath. Hmm? Let her soak in it. Bring her a glass of wine and some dark chocolate. Huh? Put on a little careless whispers on the saxophone and just let it... (laughs) Right? So men, as husbands, it's so easy for us to kind of compartmentalize, and I'm so guilty of this, and my brokenness and frailty, I'm so much like, okay, I want to sanctify my bride by the washing of the water of the Word, so I'm going to order this new book. Read it. Love you. That's a... That's a spot clean that I'm guilty of. But rather, Scripture says cleanse her. That means to saturate her, just submerge her, just, just, just lavish love and grace upon her, just constantly pointing her to Jesus, not by lectures, but by hot baths, red wine, dark chocolate, dishes, trash, huh? Help, diapers, like how can I help you? Let, let me encourage you. Conversations, listening, 
It's a big one for all of us, men. See, marriage is a gift, men and women, that benefit you as husbands and you as wives, benefit single men and single women as well. Because Scripture says, specific instructions, wives, you must do this because this is how Christ has made you. This is how Christ has redeemed you. So wives, live like this. Husbands, this is how you were created to be. You're, you're, you're broken, you messed up. Don't try it on your own strength, but Christ redeems you. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, husbands, you were to live life this way. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about husbands and wives. He says this. He gives instructions to wives, instructions to husbands. Brings it back to Scripture in Genesis Verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So no matter where you are in your relationship, whether you are married or single, divorced, never been married, hope to be married if you're widowed, marriage is about Christ and the church. All of us. There's something here for all of us. Because marriage benefits not only those in marital relationships, it benefits the church, it benefits society at large, it it mirrors God and points us all to Jesus. So a couple points of application here. Because this is so broad. I mean, we could do a whole series on just marriage, and I I would love to. Uh, but here's, a, here's what I want us to take away. I just wanted to give us a snapshot that God created marriage, but all of our relationships are broken, affected by sin and rebellion. But praise be to God that Jesus redeems us every area of life, marriage, family, work, personal motivations, what have you. And today as we look at marriage, Christ redeems our marriage so that empowered by the Holy Spirit, rescued by Christ, wives could rightly submit to their own husbands as to the Lord and could uh, submit to their husbands as they submit to Christ and respect their husbands as they follow Jesus. And husbands, you could love your wives as you're imitating Christ by giving yourself up so that you may make her more holy and and soak her with grace in the word so that as we do these things, not only does that honor Jesus, but that benefits believers in the church and reflects Christ to the world because Scripture says this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So a few points of application I want you to take away. Because there's something here for all of us. And if you're a note taker, I would love for you to take notes now. If you're not a note taker, um, or regardless, I will post this information on the city for us. Because what I want us to do, I want every man and woman in this room to walk away, not just filled with some knowledge, but with some uh, practical opportunity to grow in our understanding of marriage. If you are married, there's going to be certain things for you as a husband, as a wife. If you're not married, there's going to be certain things for you. Okay? So we'll start with married people first. First and foremost, if you are married, your homework assignment is this. Talk over this scripture with your spouse. Today or sometime this week, sit down with your spouse Read this passage. You know, you can, you can go back to the beginning of chapter 5 because it, it flows together. 
It's not an isolated thing about marriage. It ties into being beloved children together, imitating God together out of reverence for Christ together. So all of chapter 5 is important here, and it connects to this. So if you are married, talk these things over with your spouse. Read this. Talk it over with your spouse. Uh, Pray together. Repent. Repent of sin. Uh, Repent of... um, just brokenness. Repentance means to turn, to change. What that means is you can say, look, I want to repent of sin. Um, you can just be honest with your spouse and say, I, I um, have not loved you the way I should. Or I've not you know, submitted to you as maybe I should. Or uh, I've not really put the time into prioritizing, sanctifying you and, and cleansing you with the word. Uh, and so help me do that better. And so come together looking to Jesus looking to his word and praying that the Holy Spirit would guide you as a, as a couple how to do this. Men, repent of not leading well, loving well, serving well. Uh, women, repent of, of maybe not submitting, uh, whatever that looks like in your marriage. Um, I would encourage you, I'll put a book list up of some great books that, that I found helpful, that we found helpful in our marriage, uh, some, some resources that maybe will encourage you. Um, I encourage you to have a date night as soon as possible. And men, when you take your wife out on a date, just listen. Just sit her down and let her pick the restaurant and you buy her whatever she wants and just listen and learn. It'll be great, right? So that's the homework assignment, part one, for the married folks. For the single folks, uh, there's something huge here for you uh, because um, all of us have experienced singleness in various seasons, whether you're uh, single for the first, you've been single your whole life, or maybe you're single for another season due to uh, divorce or, or being widowed. Um, I'm not sure where you are. There's a, there's a couple things here I want to encourage you with. Okay, First and foremost, um, marriage is about Christ and the church. And if you're a beloved child of God, that means marriage is about, is about you, um, despite your marital status right now, because your identity is in Christ as a beloved child. And a role is being a husband or wife. But that's not your identity. It's just a role. Your identity is a beloved child of God. So uh, one assignment I have for you is this. Pray. Spend your time in singleness praying that God would give you the desires of your heart or to change your heart. If you desire to be married, pray that the Lord would give you a spouse and that he would give you wisdom as uh, you wait for your spouse. Secondly, cultivate character. When I was a single guy, one of the best pieces of advice an older pastor gave me is he said, use your time in singleness not trying to find the right person, but trying to become the right person. That was great advice. As a single guy, I wanted to be married so bad. And, and this pastor friend said, you know what, you need to spend your time in singleness becoming the right man before you find the right woman. Uh, thirdly, study scripture and pursue Christ. Someone once said, a woman's heart should be so lost in God that a man must seek him in order to find her. Right? So uh, women, uh, pursue Christ. And men, pursue a woman that is pursuing Christ. And pursue Christ as well. Study the Bible. Learn and grow. Fourth, grow in gospel community together. Uh, one of the best things you could do uh, during your time in singleness or in marriage is to be in gospel community together because um, you will learn and grow with other singles. You will learn and grow with married people. Married people, you can, you can learn and grow from single people, right? Married people, you can grow from married people. Single people, you can grow from married people. Everybody can grow from everybody. So all of us should grow in gospel community. Fifth, uh, if you're a single 
uh, and if you're, especially if you're dating, look for a mentor couple. That could be super helpful. If you're single and you want to know more about, um, if you're a man and you want to know more about biblical manhood, uh, find a godly man. Uh, if you want to know how to be a husband, hang out with some guy who's been a husband, right? It could help you in immense ways. Uh, same uh, for you women. If you're not married and you want to know what married life is like, uh, hang out with a Christian woman. All right, number six, uh, do not pursue relationship until you are ready to marry. And this is huge because I know we've got a lot of singles in this church, man, and I love you guys very much. Uh, and Jesus loves you. You are his beloved, you're God's beloved children. Uh, but do not haphazardly pursue a relationship just because you're lonely. And men, if you're pursuing girls for companionship just because you just want somebody to hang out with but you have no interest in marrying her, you need to stop that and you need to repent. Because Scripture says in 1 Timothy that you were to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. So single fellas, be wise and heed God's word. And men, if you are pursuing a relationship with a girl, do so biblically and with the intent to marry her. But if you're not intending on marrying her, uh, you better stop. Because you know that whole bat analogy? We can get real on it, all right? Because I love my sisters in Christ, and I don't want you girls to be hurt. And fellas, I love you too, and I want you to be men. So let's grow as men together. Amen? There you go. All right, so don't, uh, do not pursue a relationship until you're ready to marry. And number seven, don't date non-Christians. It's pretty easy. So uh, if you are um, pursuing a relationship with somebody who's not a Christian, uh, it's not wise. Uh, just be careful, because we love you. Jesus loves you. Uh, you belong to God. And he will provide for you a godly husband or a godly wife. Don't sell yourself short. Okay? Don't, don't missionary date, man. That evangelistic dating is just, just typically not wise. So, so be wise there. Uh, number eight, uh, he should initiate, she should respond. That's just a little biblical wisdom. Number nine, guard your heart. Proverbs 4 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. So guard your heart. That means uh, men, protect your own heart. Women, protect your own heart. Uh, but also, protect the heart of your brothers and sisters, okay? Uh, men, be wise and, and guard the heart of the girl you date. And women, be wise and, and guard the heart of the, men, the, the man that you are dating. Number 10, guard yourself physically and sexually. Um, that is for your benefit, that will honor Jesus, that will protect you and the other person. So guard yourself physically and sexually. And number 11, Marry someone who is a good fit for every season of life. And number 12, live holy. Um, and I'll post these things on the city for you uh, because I love you. I find them very helpful uh, in my season of singleness. Uh, and I hope that would be helpful for you in your season of singleness. Again, married people. Uh, here's assignment number two for married people. I don't know why I split it up. So married people had a first assignment, but here you get a second assignment, married people. Um, pray for your single brothers and sisters here at this church. Um, and I want to encourage you to get to know them and, and, and mentor them. Um, if you are married, let our single brothers and sisters see what godly marriage looks like. In our marriages, may we, as married people, pursue holiness and cultivate a godliness and, and model that to our Christian brothers and sisters here. Um, and, and single people pursue uh, a friendship with them, with those who are married. Um, so that's, that's about it. Um, in closing, I'll just say this. Our marriages reflect Christ in the church. So, as the gospel impacts our relationships together, um, 
This benefits not only you personally, but this church and the city and reflects Jesus to the world. It really does. So, uh, so may God, by his grace, uh, call us to repentance, empower us to live obedience in a way that as beloved children and the identity as beloved children, through the roles of marriage, that we would, um, that we would imitate God and reflect Christ to the world. Right? Okay, let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning. I got a, a, a rainy day. And we thank you for the rain. Uh, we thank you for your scriptures and, and God that we could gather together uh, to read your word together. God, it's such a, such a thick, heavy, weighty passage as we look at the huge biblical theme of marriage. As we see from Genesis to Revelation that, that the story of redemption is modeled through marriage. You as a bridegroom pursuing your, your wife, rescuing her. So God, I pray that we would take marriage seriously as a church. God, for those, in the, those of us in this room um, who are married, uh, God, I pray that as husbands you would give us wisdom and confidence, that we would model our marriage uh, as men, that we would pattern our marriage as one of ongoing belief in the gospel, ongoing repentance of sin, ongoing repentance of idolatry, ongoing repentance of our brokenness and weakness, and ongoing reliance on you, Jesus, because you have rescued our marriages. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us as men to lead with confidence, to walk in wisdom, to walk in love and patience, that we would love our wives as your daughters and that we would encourage them to grow in Christ-likeness. God, I pray for the women in this room, the wives. God, that you would uh, guide them in wisdom, that their identity as beloved daughters uh, would play out well in the role of a wife and, and that you would encourage them as, as helpers, God, that that's a, a powerful uh, Holy Spirit parallel. And God, that they would find much joy and encouragement. So God, I pray for our married couples that this week you would grow us by your Spirit through your Word as husbands and wives together. And God, for those in this room who are not yet married, Lord, I pray for comfort for those who struggle with loneliness and, and isolation and fear. God, I pray that you would be their joy. God, that in the pursuit of a godly spouse, that my single brothers and sisters would look to you for wisdom and comfort, that you, God, are the, the ultimate awesome husband. <laughs> that scripture tells us that you are the faithful, loving, gracious, powerful bridegroom. So God, I pray for my single brothers, that you would grow them as men in confidence and wisdom and patience. God, that you would grow them as your sons to walk as Christ and to lead well in relationships with their sisters in Christ. And God, for my Christian sisters, God, I thank you for the wonderful, beautiful daughters that you have rescued. The wonderful, beautiful young ladies that you call your daughters, that you love them and cherish them and value them. God, may they find their identity in you as beloved daughters, princesses in your kingdom. And God, I pray you protect them from stupid boys. And God, I pray that you give them wisdom and patience and that you, for, for those who want to be wives, God, that you would send them an amazing husband 
God, a man of character, a man of valor, a man of humility and wisdom. God, that you would build those men up in our midst, that you would build those women up in our midst. God, I pray that you would allow us to do a bunch of weddings in the next year. That would be great. But in all things, Lord, we trust you. And God, I pray that your spirit would dwell with us and in us and through us. And that in everything we would look to Christ as our redeemer and rescuer. And that we would trust the work of the good news of the gospel. And that we would repent of sin and embrace the identity as your children. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.